Okay, so today on the Plant Cunning Podcast, we've got Eileen Nauman. And the first time I found out about Eileen was her book on medical astrology, but she's also herbalist, homeopath, writer, author, shaman, and has written a very cool book called Walking the Land. And we're going to talk to her today. So Eileen, how are you today? I'm doing just fine. I'm running on all 16 cylinders. How about you? (laughs) Running maybe on 12 cylinders. Well, okay. All right. I'll be kind (laughs) to you today, Isaac. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) So what do we want to talk about? What's interest in the book? So we usually start our podcasts by asking what brought you to the plant path? Okay. Well, I, I, I am the fifth generation of Appalachia women who come from Virginia. My mother's side of the family, each a woman from each generation had herbal formulas that they wrote down in a cookbook. Okay. We call it a cookbook. And, and it was given to the next generation. A woman was chosen and then she became the herbalist for it. So I grew up on herbs because I'm the fifth generation. My mother was her generation and my grandmother, Inez, was her generation. And for a while, they all lived with us which was wonderful because I could talk to my grandmother who lived to be two months shy of a hundred years old. Wow. Even at that time in her nineties, she, she had no more short-term memory, but you know what? You get, get her talking about the formularies and the herbs. Okay. Mm. And out would come this information. Wow. Hadn't (laughs) heard before. And she lived with us for six years before she passed. And my mother also lived with us in, in a double wide mobile home. So we had three houses on the land where we, we were at, at Oak Creek down in Arizona. And it's 16 miles south of Sedona. Most people know where Sedona is, okay? Six mm-hmm. million of you go there every year. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the place I go. No, seriously, I was in, in Arizona for 30 years. So I did a, a lot of rooting around for plants, especially chaparral, which is one of my favorites. Oh, very, very few herbalists know about it or know how to collect it or how to use it. Mm-hmm. They do not understand the nuclear power of chaparral. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, here we go off on, on an herbal thing here for a minute. <laughs> Love that. Did you know that chaparral with in vitro experiments, which means they have a little Petri dish and they put staph bacteria and then they put a little bit of the chaparral in it and they close the lid and they watch the fight. It's like a wrestling match. Okay. That's awesome. And chaparral is known to kill seven types of staphylococcus, mm-hmm. including, and this is really important, including staph aureus, which is your bacteria eating one that they have in all of the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can lose a leg or an arm on. Right. That uh-huh. all right. Chaparral kills it dead. Wow. And so would you, do, would you do like an infused oil of that or tincture? A tincture or tea that you no, saw? you don't ever want to take it inside. What you want is a salve. Yeah. Okay. Salve really does the job. And again, it penetrates the three layers of skin here and goes directly into the body, bypasses the digestion, which is really important. And a lot of herbalists miss this. I, I work with a lot of people who are really sick, okay? And they're on five to 10 different medications. And, you know, and you're trying to get an herb to work through all of those things. And herbs, most of them are slow. You, you have to take them for a certain amount of time and they build up to the body. Then they really take hold. Then they start healing. Now there are certain herbs that are, you know, I mean, excuse, excuse the language, balls to the wall. Okay. Yeah. You might want to add that, that out. <laughs> That's fine. So, and, and they get in there very quickly and they do their job, but most people won't take a tincture because it tastes bad. Yeah. They won't take the tea because it tastes bad. All right. So you're to me, and, and this was the way, way I was raised. Our family always use salves, very, very rarely use teas you know, in, infusions, if it tasted good, like lemon balm, that's a different story. I mean, yum, let's yeah. go have a vacation, you know, in 15 minutes after drinking it, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm in Hawaii. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, everything's yeah. right with the world. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with walking the land, but, but that is my background is, mm-hmm. is the Appalachia women of Virginia. And our first people who came from Ireland and Scotland 
1703, they landed in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Not, not too far away from the Mayflower, mm-hmm. but they lived in the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, the Great Smoky Mountains, the, the Blue Ridge Mountains here where I live now. Mm-hmm. So that's my background for just starters. My mother was also an astrologer. She started teaching me oh. astrology when I was nine years old. She was a druid and she was a good one too. <laughs> she was a Scorpio. You don't mess with Scorpios. You know, you stay on your <laughs> side and everything's okay. But boy, you know, you just don't want to cross their path. And she was like that. You know, she had a little bit of an ego. And, okay, fine. So put your spells away. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, your father also trained you too. Is that correct? Right. He was a quarter Cherokee through his father. Now, his father's people came from Kentucky and then moved into West Virginia. Okay. okay. And my grandfather on his side was a Methodist minister. And my dad had always told me that he was a hellfire and damnation. You know, you're going to fear God or you're going to hell Mm. type of person. So my dad had very little to do with his father because Mm. of that, Mm -hmm. because it was his grandmother who helped teach and bring down the Cherokee information. And again, she chose my father to, to carry on the medicine and and I need to to say this that medicine for most Native Americans simply means a skill. Mm-hmm. It's a skill, but it's a healing skill. Hmm. Okay, that's what medicine really means. Period. I don't care what the nation is; they're not going to disagree with me on this. They disagree on a lot of other things, but not this. <laughs> and so she, you know, she taught me astrology. She taught me herbalism. The father he taught me. When I was, I got hit by lightning at, at age nine, he took that as a sign that I was the one of the four children that should carry on the medicine that he was given, okay, mm-hmm. down through his lineage, through the Ozarks and, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So they were hillbillies and we were Appalachians, one and the same, you know, <laughs> we're, we, we were mountain people, mm-hmm. okay, and we knew how to survive and yeah. we used herbs. So my father began training me at nine years old till I was 18. I did, I always could, you know, it was always called a medicine. It was never called anything else, but, but I happened when I was, I think 23, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was the Aquarius astrology store. And I'd never been into astrology store before. I mean, my mom had taught me astrology, but I'd never been to a metaphysical bookstore. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I went in there and it was like, oh, this is, you know, I was like in Nirvana. Yeah. (laughs) And I was walking down the aisle with books, you know, to the ceiling on each side. And all of a sudden this one paperback went, boom. No way. (laughs) And it landed right in front of me. No way. It opened up, you know, upside down, it opened up and I went, and I, you know, I mean, I was taught what synchronicity is a long time ago. Okay. Uh, And I knew that, well. They want me to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. And I picked it up and it was shamanism by Dr. Eduardo, somebody, and I don't remember his name now, but mm-hmm. you, you can forgive me for that. Cause I'm 77 years old and you aren't. We'll forget so, you. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought it, you know, and, yeah. and I, and my, my people, my spirit guys are saying, well, you need to read this. Well, okay, fine. So I did. And as I read it, I understood exactly what my father taught me was the same thing now there was differences but there, mm-hmm. there was still the outcomes were the same the reasons why you did it were the same you know you're serving you're serving your people okay you're you're the cosmic doctor <laughs> that mm-hmm. they go to when nothing else is working you know go get your pieces you know that's what you need to bring back and and you need to start this process of integrating them back into yourself and back into the fields or the particular chakra, not only your physical body, but, but the electrical energy of the aura is there. Mm. So that I, I was literally, I came into a, a family, a metaphysical family, quite literally, Mm. I got the best teachings in the world. Mm -hmm. And I did poorly in school high school I <laughs> C's and D's I hated it yeah. yeah I did I and because I wasn't a book learner I'm a kinesthetic learner mm-hmm. give me hands-on I can take something apart I'll remember it I can put it back together again mm-hmm. you know 
or if I get around a plant, you know, I'll, I'll look at both sides of the leaf, I'll smell it, I'll talk to it, I'll introduce myself, I'll give it some cornmeal, which is what we do when we walk the land mm -hmm. and ask, can I sit with you or not? And some will say yes and some will say no. Some hate humans, okay? Yeah, but, so how do, you, how do you know when they say yes or no? Well, you feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, the way, the way I feel it, all right? Mm -hmm. And I've, I've taught people around the world how to do this work. And what I can tell you is what I get, but also I'll bring in some other things of people besides me. I'm clairvoyant. So I really don't need a lot of the stuff that most other people need, okay? It, and I talk to the plant, it's telepathic. It's from the heart. I respect the plant totally. It, it, to me, it's like meeting you. Uh, mm -hmm. There's respect, there's equality, there's goodwill, mm -hmm. okay, and peace. And that's how I approach everything out. We call it all our relations. That's, that's, and that means from, from the rock to a grain of sand, you know, to an insect, to a bird, to a human. We do not see humans as the apex anything except they're a, a predator that's killing yeah. this planet and it's the patriarchal males that are doing it it isn't the men and it isn't the matriarchal men like isaac okay you're a matriarchal man by the way <laughs> so i can tell it in your aura mm -hmm. so and i do see auras when i want to turn on and, and and look and see and that's why this other gentleman i was just talking about i was seeing this darkness big fuzzy darkness around his heart mm -hmm. okay which uh -huh. implies that there's a heart issue whether or not it's going to pop open or not right now, I don't know. But he came to me, I saw it, and I said, get to the fire department, get an EMT, get a paramedic, have them check your heart out, and then you can take it from there. Mm -hmm. So what I get is I get the telepathic imprint. And a telepathic imprint is the plant's emotional reaction. And they, they have a heart, okay? They're mm -hmm. able to move their blood. Yeah. Uh, trees do too. You know, it's all there. And so they also are emotional. Every, everything is emotional. Mm -hmm. Some are just better at hanging on and, and working with their emotions, okay? But believe me, I've, I've been out when I, I had an East, a Western Cherokee teacher for many years who lived out in Bakersfield. And he would take me to his favorite white sage patch because they use white sage and would dry it and, you know, make it into smudge sticks. Okay. And, and there was a ceremony for that. It wasn't that you just sat there and did it. It was a total ceremony, a total integration between you and that plant. Yeah. And so when I would go talk, first of all, he would say, go find a grandmother plant, you know, and this would be a big hill. Okay. And I would just kind of turn on my little clairvoyance and I, I would look at the colors and I would look at where the energy is strongest. And that would be where the grandmother plant would be. So I would go up to the grandmother plant. I would introduce myself. I, I would say, I'm, I use my, my Eastern Cherokee name that my father gave me, which is I drew of Dawasha, which means walks with wolves because the, his, his side of the family came from the wolf clan which was your leader and chief clan. Although there could be, the paint clan was supposed to be your medicine people, okay? But you, know, you don't get picky about things. If the person has that skill, they honor it and it yeah. doesn't matter. So I would go up to the grandmother plant and I would introduce myself. And I would tell her why I was there. I'm humble and I'm, you know, and I, I want to create a loving heart felt connection with that plant or with that tree or with that blade of grass, with that rock. It's the same thing. Okay. So the grandmother, white sage, all right, after I've done my introductions, I give her a handful of cornmeal. Now I get so many people ask me, well, there's some different colors of cornmeal. Well, of course there is. It comes from different colors of corn. The Hopi have the blue corn. So, you know, when I lived out in Arizona for 30 years, I used blue cornmeal. And there's people who say, well, the blue, the blue cornmeal is, is the highest and the best and, you know, and it's cosmically more pure than your common everyday yellow boxed cornmeal that you find in your grocery store. Okay. This is, this is whatever you want to believe. Okay. <laughs> it all works. 
The reason it works is because you are sincere. You're coming mm -hmm. from your heart. And when you lay that, that cornmeal down, you are giving them a gift, but you're also telling them, I honor you. I acknowledge who you are. And I'm here to learn and be educated by you if, if you want to or so desire to. You know, may I sit with you? Mm -hmm. Right? That's what I, I normally am telepathing to that, that plant. And I don't care whether it's a grandmother's sage or a blade of grass mm -hmm. or a stone that I pick up somewhere that's calling to me in this high little falsetto voice. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they sound. And you're going, okay, where are you at? They don't northern, mm -hmm. southeast, and west. Mm -hmm. They're not from here. You know, they're not human. They don't think in human terms. So anyway, that aside, the if the grandmother allows me to sit with her, I sit and I tell, I <laughs> ask her, you know, is it possible that I can choose some of your leaves or some of your branches so that so that I can make the sacred smudge that our people use to honor you and to cleanse the area, okay? And, you know, I've never been turned down by a grandmother plant. I've, I've had some grumpy plants that didn't want anything to do with humans, but usually they're the ones where humans have gone through and, and yeah. ran over or broken their branches or things like that. And so I always stop and I, and I, I apologize for their, their injury and their hurt. And I ask them, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do to help you? And I give them cornmeal. And usually that kind of takes the rancor out of it. And, and they'll, they'll get grumpy, but they'll, they'll say something, well, you know, I, I have all of these broken branches over here. Could you help me with those? And I go, yeah, because I always have a little, little clippers. Mm -hmm. Here's a trick. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know this. Before you cut something on a plant, all right, and the plant, number one, is giving you permission to do this, all right, mm -hmm. that's the criteria right there. If they have, then the next thing you say to them is, all right, I want you to remove your energy from where I'm going to make the cut. And you give them about five or 10 seconds, and they'll, and because I'm clairvoyant, I can see it. I can actually see the energy leaving a, a portion of the plant. So I know where to cut. And what that does is it stops the pain that the plant is going to feel if you don't do that. If you just go like that, mm -hmm. that's like me ripping your arm off. Mm. Yeah. I'm dead serious about this. Yeah. That is really what is happening. So you know that this this is the the normal you know i've written walking the land i've talked about this i i it's a show and tell book you can go out there and you can do this yourself and here's the other thing you know especially with ac being an herbalist she wants the cooperation of that plant spirit okay why well <laughs> you just think you can just go it's mine and i'm foraging and i'm putting you into my bag yeah. okay you don't have a happy plant yeah you have a plant that's been traumatized and you are taking that traumatized energy home with you and you are making a tincture out of it you're making an infusion you're making an oil i don't care mm -hmm. it's in there mm -hmm. and you do not want to treat them like that mm -hmm. you you want cooperation you want equal cooperation okay the cherokee have a beautiful tail that they, they teach their children and, and my father taught it to me. That way back when, great spirit, a great creator, and there was, there was a whole new earth and it was created and everybody was getting along fine with everybody until the creator made humans. And when he made the humans, then things started going to hell in a handbasket, okay? And the reptiles went to the great creator and said, Get rid of the humans because they do not respect us. They're killing us. And then the, the birds came and the king bird said to the great creator, get rid of the humans. They're, they're shooting and killing us and they're taking our lives without our permission. Because trust me, I, I was taught at five years old with my father out in the woods of the Cascade Mountains in Oregon where he hunted for venison, deer. Okay. 
he would sing a song as he walked. And it was a song inviting some deer if they wanted to give their life to us so that we could live. Okay. I saw him do this year after year. And a, a buck would always come and he would get the buck and he would kill the buck. But when he went to the buck, he prayed over his spirit. He thanked the spirit for giving his life before he did anything else. Okay. I mean, I was five and I would follow him around doing this. And if you've ever been deer hunting with most deer hunters who, you know, don't know this, you know, they're out there and they're, they're stealthy and they're quiet, but my father's out there singing this song of please come to me if, if you will help us to live also. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the different, the fish went and, and told the great creator, we don't like these humans. They're taking too many of us. Mm -hmm. They're destroying where we live. Get rid of them. They're not, they're not in harmony with, and they're not from the heart. Mm -hmm. So the great creator had everybody except the plant nation come and, you know, they were upset. They didn't want the humans around. They were not respecting anybody. They thought they were better than everybody and they are not. So the great creator went to the, the grandmother of the plant nation and he said to her, he says, well, how do you feel about this? Do you want the humans gone? Because I will take them away. He says, because this is a planet of peace and harmony where everybody gets along with everybody. And the plant grandmother said, no, we will love them despite themselves. And we want you to keep them. And we will invite them to use our bodies to help them lift their vibration. Okay. And so because of that one intervention by that one nation, the great creator did not get rid of the humans. Okay. And the plants to this day love us despite ourselves. Mm -hmm. I agree. There's some cranky ones. I don't blame them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. When you run over them with your motorcycle or your ATV and stuff like that, they have a right to be pissed off. Yeah. But by and large, 95% of, of anything that grows green, I don't care if it's a fungi or mm -hmm. a mushroom. Okay. Algae. Right. Or, yeah. Algae. That's right. The mm -hmm. lichen. Okay. They're, they're all our brothers and sisters. That's how I was taught to, to see the world. And I see it to this day and it works well. I mean, it's like, I, I look around and I go, I really want off this planet. This is not my home. This is not what we you. do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and I've made peace with that because I'm in an incarnational body. So, okay, fine. I'll do my, <laughs> I'll, I'll get stuff out. I promised I would, but boy, I'm going to be glad to leave because this is not the world that I know. It was not the world I grew up in yeah mm. okay so does that answer your question yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're getting little glimpses of it too but i'm curious if you want to tell us what walking the land is and okay. how you engage with walking the okay. land well i started walking the land with my mother at five years old she took me up into the cascade mountains and if you go to my my website it's called www.walkingtheland.net uh there's a blog there i have a lot of information about walking the land there and what it is and how it works. And it's basically everything that we're talking about right here. And, but in her particular thing, in one of the blogs that I wrote, she took me up into the Cascade Mountains one, one Saturday, because she worked five days a week. And she took me to a cave. And she took me to the the opening to it. it was a pretty nice big cave. It was pretty open. There was some brushes and stuff around it. But she said, I want you to go in there. And she said, This is this is Mother Earth's womb. Mm -hmm. This is her womb. It's where she births everything. Mm -hmm. All right. And she says, I just want you to go in there and sit down. And she says, give her, you know, ask for permission. You stand there and you introduce yourself. You give the cornmeal and say why I'm there. Mm -hmm. And do I have permission to come and sit with you? Mm 
Hmm. And you'll feel it. You can feel your heart may expand or your, your chest may get warm where your heart is, or you may flush or you may get a chill. I mean, there's a dozen different ways that you're going to know that it's a yes. I've even had some of my students where the, the guardian of a, of a place would put their arms around their shoulders and draw them forward toward them. Okay. That's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. But if you get a push back and yeah. believe me, I've seen it and I've been pushed myself, that mm-hmm. means no, this is it. Yeah. You're not allowed to go here. You're not up for it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could get hurt doing it. Walk away. Yeah. It's not for you. Okay. That's what guardians do. They, they are the watchdogs, they're cosmic watchdogs. And every important place, like with a vortex or especially with portals, portals are, oh, you, you don't, as I told my, my students over the years, you do not mess with a portal for five years. You've got to walk the land five years before you ever start to think that you can deal with a portal's energy. Because the portal's energy is basically, it's, it's like, okay, you know the, I don't know if you remember the RCA Victor type of horn and it has a big end to it and then it comes down to a narrow, narrow one. Yeah. 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 Okay. So they're just now finding, I mean, they should have asked some of the metaphysicians who already know this, you know, everybody's <laughs> going, oh, black holes, this and black holes, that. And it's like, oh man, they're bad. And I'm like going like, you fools, you know, a portal is a black hole hmm. on our end here on this earth okay and it literally goes in a u-shape comes out the other end with another wide opening and it's and it's a white hole and you are somewhere else you can be interdimensional for sure you may not even be in this universe you you can be so totally somewhere else it's not even funny Mm -hmm. and it will take seconds like that to go from here to there because that's what the, the black and white holes do because they work together. They're, they're like a U-shape here, all right? This is one end, this is black end, this is the white end. And you go through that time warp because there is no time out there, okay? Time is linear. The time means nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's taking you someplace. And with what guardians do, and this is so important, if you're never sure, the, let's say you, you approach a tree, okay? And you go through the process of introducing yourself, giving the cornmeal, staying in your heart, staying humble, having humility, all right? And you can ask the tree, you know, can, can I talk to you or whatever? If the tree happens to be a portal and has a portal in it, because see some of these trees, especially your woodland trees, like where you live in New York, you see these holes in, in, in them. Mm-hmm. Some of them are portals. Mm-hmm. A portal isn't about size, okay? That then that's I, I've got video on this that I'm getting. I, I'm finally getting somebody to do the video so that I can get it up on YouTube so people understand what I'm saying when I say a portal in yeah. a tree. All right, I've got actual video on trees that they are portals. Okay, now usually squirrels or woodpeckers or some or bats or somebody else goes and lives in them, but that doesn't take the place that it might be a portal. And if it is, there's always a guardian with it. And so you just stand there and you ask, you know, is there a guardian here? Is there somebody I can talk to? And if you're getting a feeling or a vibe, like get away, don't, don't push it. You're not ready for this back. Give, give another handful of, of cornmeal and say, thank you. You know, I love you and I honor you and you walk away. Okay. But on the other hand, if you understand what you're doing, the walking the land is simply picking up on the unseen and usually for most people unfelt vibrational frequencies that are all around us. We have the earth telluric forces of mm-hmm. energy and telluric simply means it's, it's earth created through. And if you want to get into the science of it, you know, you can say, oh, it has an iron core, therefore this magnetism. And, and that's why we have telluric energy. Fine. I don't care what you call it. I know I can <laughs> see the other side of it. And it's, it's a hell of a lot more than that, but that's good yeah. enough. If that's what you believe, mm-hmm. that's fine. It'll that's work. Earth energy. It's an earth energy. But the thing is, is that there's three types of major earth energy. There, mm-hmm. there is a local energy that is created 
either by a landmass or by a portal or by a vortex. And where it passes across, okay, either a stream, a creek, or a river, or if it's underground and you can't see it, okay, when, when that energy passes over the water, it automatically creates a vortex. Now that vortex can be this big. It doesn't, the, there's four giant ones at Sedona. I mean, those honkers are going out about 25 miles. Wow. wow. Yeah. In all directions, all four of them. Okay. So and that's why people driving. say Sedona, Sedona is a vortex. Huh? I've, I've heard people say like, they're, you know, Sedona is a vortex or like Asheville is a vortex, right. but they're, they're literally, I mean, from your perspective, that there are actually multiple vortexes in the well, area. Okay. Let's put it this way. Theme Harriman, who is a quantum physicist who is brilliant and way far ahead of his time. And if you can ever watch some of his, um, his videos on Gaia, and he does have some on YouTube, which are free, hmm. about black holes. I mean, he was the one yeah. that pushed this. And he said these black holes have a white hole and yeah. that they are connected. He was the first one to bring this forward and to prove it, not only in the, the math formula, okay, but in every other way. And so now astronomy is now jumping in on this saying, oh, yeah. Black holes are good. They're good. They're good. You know, we don't know what yeah. they're doing, but they're good. Right. The th and the other thing that he discovered, okay, which I already knew and, and most metaphysicians know anyway, is, is that you can have little teeny tiny vortexes that are this big, or uh -huh. they might be microscopic, or they might be that big, or they might be this big. They're all over the place because where a line of energy, telluric energy is, is moving, all right. And it's usually because of land mass and mountains and openings between the mountains, okay, that that energy is going to flow from here to there if it's local. But that, you know, just because it's a local line doesn't mean it isn't powerful. It's very powerful in that area, possibly, okay. Yeah. Then you have regional lines, okay. A local line is usually, you know, about five miles diameter around you okay those are your local lines that you're concerned with all right what's going through my property you know what is there what is it doing you know is it of the light or is it is it a negative energy because there are there's negative energy too through which the discarnates the people who don't want to leave the earth after they die and go on and you know get back into their their spirit world of the other dimensions they hang around the negative energies because in order for a discarnate to stay down here in this third dimensional place, they have to eat. They have to have energy food, okay? And usually the bad thing about discarnates is, is if, you, if you buy a place and you don't know this sucker died here and wants to stay here, they're gonna come visit your dog, your cat, your child, and you, and they're going to be start sucking energy out of your aura because they need it like food, okay, mm -hmm. to stay here. They need a certain amount every day. And so that's the bad news about discarnates. But the other bad news is, is that there are negative lines, both local, regional, and ley lines across this world. You want to know what's there. I, I'm dealing with a woman right now in Wyoming who sent me a letter who has no no phone, no internet, no nothing. But she wrote me a letter and said, there's this presence on my land. And she says, it doesn't like me. And I, I don't want to be around it because I get sick every time I, I walk through that area. And yeah. she said, I, I need help because she'd read my book. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is how she's got a hold of me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I just wrote her a letter. I sent her a copy of my book along with a pendulum nice. because she's, she's 65 years old. She can't afford it. So send yeah. it free. That's nice. And gave her a pendulum and I gave her a black tourmaline pendulum. This is very important, especially in the work of walking the land. If you can get a black tourmaline pendulum, that is your best. It's piezoelectric and pyroelectric. That means it's going to pick up on any type of vibrational force that's out there. Because piezoelectric means it's an electric, magnetic electric energy. Okay, Pyro means that it's like infrared energy. It's very different. Okay. okay. And the pendulum doesn't, the only pendulum in the world 
that has pyro and piezo is the tourmaline family, but always get the black tourmaline because it's dirt cheap. And it has the same chemistry and makeup and structure as a pink tourmaline or blue tourmaline or dicolide or watermelon tourmaline. Don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Spend $10 to get a black tourmaline pendulum hmm. right? because it's going to pick up on everything, which is what you want. I have worksheets that I, I gave you to, okay, so that people can go down through the list and they know exactly what they need to find out about their land. You also have to find out, is there any water on my land? Mm-hmm. Okay, Water is energy. Water is life. And if it's above ground, you want to know where it's at. And then you want to check with your pendulum to walk along it and say, is there any any local or regional line because chances of you having a ley line in your backyard are are one in a a million okay yeah and the ley lines are like the international lines yeah they're the they're global right they're global okay and they're moved by mountain ranges and the mountain ranges and the mountains are the ones that handle the heavy ley line energy okay and you don't ever want to make the mistake of not remembering that there are mountain ranges beneath the ocean yeah (laughs) that'll catch you but they're there okay you've got the bermuda triangle do i need to make any more of a a suggestion on they got mountain ranges down there too and guess what there's one hell of a a vortex there but it's a portal it's an androgynous vortex okay an androgynous vortex usually most vortexes are either male or female Mm -hmm. ones that are androgynous means that they are integrated Mm -hmm. and they're much more powerful and I don't care what the size of it is. Size doesn't matter here, okay? The power of an androgynous vortex is just the ultimate power on this earth, okay? And androgynous vortexes are not like regular vortexes. Most vortexes are either what they call day vortexes where when the sun comes up, they start their spin. And it's either clockwise or counterclockwise. One or the two, that's it. Okay. And at dusk when the sun sets, they power down. Okay. okay. And you you can prove it. I mean, you can get, you know, you, if you have a little magnometer type of a device, you can do it at dawn and dusk and then do it at night. And you're going to see a difference in the range of the, the energy that's moving through your area. You also have vortexes that are nighttime only. Okay. And they will go from dawn, excuse me, from dusk all night long to dawn and then they'll power down okay they'll sit there humming sort of like a car that you put in in park and it's still moving that's what the the vortex does but once it's online it's spinning up and counterclockwise okay is feminine and the clockwise is is masculine so you got to find out a whole bunch of stuff about this which is why we wrote the book because these lines may cross something that you don't know about. It could be a, you know, a river underneath the soil that you can't see that might be 30 or 100 feet down, okay? And that water's running and it's creating an energy. And the thing that you don't want to do is build your house on top of a vortex. (laughs) You really don't. And I've seen so many houses and I, I get so many people going, well, you know, there's this one room of the house that, you know, my cat, my dog won't lay in there. They avoid it. And, and when I go in there, I don't feel, I feel uneasy and they don't know why. And if it happens to be a guest room, the poor guest can't sleep at night. That's because they probably have built it over a local or a regional ley line, or excuse me, energy line that has come through that area. And if you know that beforehand, before you buy a house, I mean, when we got this house, trust me, I went through it with a fine tooth comb, okay, to see what was there mm-hmm. and where it was at. And I wanted to make sure that it it is what I call a clean space, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, and so to do this, you're basically dowsing with a pendulum. Yes, correct? for most people. There's other people who are so sensitive. A lot of empathetic people don't need a pendulum. They they can feel when they walk through a line. Literally, they can. They can't see it, but they feel it. Okay. And then they can stop. And then depending upon how psychic or clairvoyant they are, 
they may be able to find out other things. But if they can't, they can use my worksheet. Okay, there's two worksheets. One's a basic and one is a dead serious one where you want to get down to the nitty gritty of what, what is your land doing? Okay, what's there? You want to use that second one and then have, have a pendulum, okay? And then go to work. Start, start, you know, at some point in your property. If you're going to start in the north, that's fine. Then go to the east, go to the south, go to the west. Draw a diagram of your place, okay? I once, gosh, this was about 30 years ago, I had a dentist from Asheville, North Carolina, pay me to fly out from Arizona to his land there in Asheville. And he wanted me to walk the land. He says, there's something going on there and I don't know what it is and I need to find out. And he had like 40 acres, okay? Really nice up in the mountain. So I spent the whole day walking, walking the thing and finding out. One of the things I found out is, is that as I walked, I was, there was a big, beautiful creek through the area. And my people said, stop. And you know, you need to talk to who's here. And who was there was some, some Native American, some Cherokee people who had been killed by gold miners and left there. Okay. Mm. And so they they were discarnates and they they were getting their energy from the, the stream. So they were able because they had no place to go. And when I turned on my my screen to look to see what my my chief guide was talking to me about, I saw these three men who, you know, I mean, they looked like the day that they were killed. Okay. And I said, I introduced myself and I said, can I be of help to you? And they said, yes, we need, we need to go to the light. Then yeah. heaven doesn't exist to them. Okay. It's the light. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And so I went and I went through the ceremony to open that up. It's like opening a jail door up to let them out. Okay. You can't pull them out. You can't order them out. They have to want to do this on their own. Okay. Otherwise you're taking on their karma. And so it didn't, I mean, it was like, boom, 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 all, all three of them. And they went over the rainbow bridge and I saw them disappear into the light and they were gone. And so uh, I wrote that down in my notes and I, I knew absolutely nothing about Asheville, okay, when I went there, nor did I do any boning up on it because when you're clairvoyant, you don't, you don't want a bunch of, of extra stuff hanging around, messing up the clarity of what they're trying to show you. And uh, so that night we had dinner and then we went to his den and, and I told him about the gold mining and, and the deaths and things like that. And he said that that particular area was the one where he never felt safe. He never, he, he always felt depressed. Mm, yeah. Okay. And this <laughs> is a really common thing when a mass of people have been killed and they are, are literally in jail. In, in a matter of speaking, and they can't get out because they're traumatized and the trauma has stopped them from their own internal spiritual process to, to work through this and then release and go. They couldn't do it. Trust mm -hmm. me, when you're killed like that, you're, you're going to do exactly what they did. They were in jail, cosmic jail. So, and, and it takes somebody from the third dimension in a human body in a 3D world that we live in to release them. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, nobody else can. So I, I understood that, you know, because they were Cherokee, because my father was Cherokee, they were bringing me into this to right a wrong mm -hmm. and, and to even out the energy of the land because the land was hurting. So, you know, that's walking the land. It's, it's looking at the energies. It's looking at, do you have water or is water under you? And what is it doing? And where is it at? You know, and and that's the basics. And from there, you can build and you can see what else is going on. And people who have a place or a room in their house where they feel, un, you know, they, they, feel, they feel like something's wrong, but they don't know what it is. Or if they keep sleeping there, they have insomnia. Mm -hmm. or, and then they get depression. And they don't understand what's going on. It could be a discarnate in that room that hung itself in there. And hanging is traumatic. 
And right. so it's sitting there in the corner while you're sleeping in your bed and it's eating energy out of your aura to stay there. Okay. Because if it didn't, they could move on. Okay. But didn't want to for whatever reasons. And they can have their reasons and it will make them stay there. It's not a jail like these Cherokee warriors who were killed. Okay. They were murdered. They were out hunting. And these gold miners just shot them. And it was racism at its worst. It was hatred and racism. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's what the jail type of thing was, was that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. But in that case, it was a discarnate who hung itself in that room. And this poor person doesn't know it, but yet they, they have insomnia. They've got depression. They don't know what's going on. That's so it could be a could be a discarnate where there could be a energy vortex or line running through that area. And that, so these vortexes are basically, it's like you could look at it in terms of electromagnetic and energy that is like an, an earth energy that, you know, it's very- Yes, telluric. It's telluric earth energy. And so there are these lines of electromagnetic energy running through the land. And when they cross something like a stream, right. either above ground or underground, it creates a vortex. That's so, right. Does it matter? So like we have a, a seasonal stream on our property. Okay. And so is there a difference between like when it's running, when it's not running? Okay. No, not at <laughs> all. Yeah, so we're we actually know. surrounded by water and like we have like a triangle of water on both sides and on the bottom of our property. We're like a triangle shaped property surrounded by streams. Okay. All right. And do you feel good around it? Yeah. yeah. This is, you know, even if you didn't know anything about this, and even if you didn't have a pendulum, all you got to do is listen to your heart and just put out that energy that you you want to open up and feel things. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you feel good in those places, then it's a good place. Right. Yeah. Period. I mean, that's yeah. how, because, you know, everything I do, it's in my right brain. Okay. All of our psychic equipment is in our right hemisphere of our brain. All women are right hemisphere is the main primary part of the brain that they use. Okay. Men use the left one. All right. So when you start getting clairvoyant or you start getting more sensitive to things, that means your two brains are starting to work together, which is good. And then some of the psychic valves start opening up more and more. The more you walk the land, the faster you're going to open up. Believe me. Mm. Okay. It's, it's an amazing process. I got so many stories I could tell you, but that's, that's kind of what walking the land is. You want to know what's there because you want to work with it, not against it, nor do you want it harming you. Okay? Yeah. Right. Because mm -hmm. of prior human development that was there and something bad happened. I mean, I can give you another story. I was 16 years old and we lived in Medford, Oregon. And we went up into the Cascade Mountains in the fall to pick huckleberries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you've never tasted huckleberries, they're fabulous. But anyway, we the three of us kids went up there with another group. And we were going to stay over, you know, we were going to pick all that day on the slopes of the mountains and have a really nice, you know, campfire and sleep, you know, sleeping bags and tents. And, you know, and the next day we were going to do some more picking. And then we would go back Sunday morning back back home well my sister who was a year younger than me was was very clairvoyant she was far more clairvoyant at that age than i was and we were up there on the the first day up on a slope and i was picking and all of a sudden ground bees came up and they came up my pet legs because they are down in the brush in the bushes okay and the bushes are about that tall and, and they're really wiry and, and just, they're just a chaotic mess. Mm -hmm. They flew up into my, my pants. Oh no. Now, I have a good, I have a good working relationship with the bee people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I very quickly shimmied out of my pants and I'm standing there in my panties mm -hmm. and, and I'm going like this to, to let the bees come out and stuff. They never stung me. Okay. Wow. And, and they were, and, and I caught, I took it as a warning. They were warning me of something. And I, I was so startled by what had happened. I just, you know, I just didn't go that way. I was doing the pants. And as I was doing this, I heard this laughter all around me and it was harsh male laughter. 
And I looked around, and I didn't see anything. Oh. But Nancy was down below me, my sister, and she was laughing her ass off. And she's thinking that I'm getting sung and I'm not. I'm just standing very still and I'm telling the bees, you know, thank you for, <laughs> for alerting me to something. But this laughter was harsh and it was, it was, it was not nice. It was mean. It was mean laughter. Like, oh, look at her. Ha, 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 ha. She's getting stung. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so once the bees were out, I backed up. I backed up out of where I was at so that I no longer disturbed them because they had a hive down there. They, they're ground bees. Okay. And, and I was going to step on their home. And I didn't know that. I couldn't see it. That's why they came up and flew up my pant legs. So I backed up and went back down that night. It was dark. We had campfire. We were roasting marshmallows. And Nancy said, she said, there's a bunch of pioneers circling around where we're at in the light. Oh, no. Ghosts. Okay. Yeah. Trapped people, trapped spirits. And I, I couldn't see them, but she did. I went, okay. So I was in one tenant one night that night, and she was in another with, with another family. And I woke up in the middle of the night and, and my sister was screaming. And what had happened was, is that because my sister was wide open clairvoyantly and could see the, the pioneers, they would come and their faces would come down to hers Ooh. and just, you know, I mean, it scared the living bejesus out of her. Yeah. And, and, it, but it didn't happen to me because I couldn't see them, but we, I, I made it a point to go back to that place the next day. And, and I looked around and there was nothing. There was a meadow there. And then there was the, the slope where the huckleberries were at. And that was it. So we went home and Sunday night I was in bed and I woke up and there's a whole bunch of pioneers standing at the end of my bed looking at me. Oh. And I said, who are you? And they said, well, we were laughing at you because you got stung by bees. And I said, I didn't get stung by bees. I said, they were telling me not to step on their home and I didn't. And I said, who are you? And they said, we came to you because we want to be released from, from the, where we were at. And I said, well, what happened to you? And out in that meadow, there was a wagon train, a small wagon train, like five or six wagon trains. The Indians charged them and they killed everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they left them right where they were at. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I went, oh, okay. And, you know, I was only 16 at that time. And, and I was in training and I knew there was no way I could handle this. So I, I, I said, I'll, I'll talk to my father. I'll see what I can do. And they said, fine. And thank you. They did. They weren't mean anymore. They were asking for help. Oh. And I told my father the next morning, he says, I'll take care of it, Buzz. Hmm. And he did. He did exactly what I did for the Cherokee people back in Nashville. Hmm. But there's that's walking the land and so what i did is i went to the local library on monday and i looked up the history of that area and do you know i found the actual pioneers who were attacked and murdered by a group of indians right in that meadow wow wow <laughs> it out proved mm. it out so that's what you can do with walking the land. You, you can be a steward of the land. That's what I am. I'm a steward. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be clairvoyant to do it either. Okay. You can just go with your little pendulum. You can get all kinds of answers. If you use the worksheets, everything is there that you ever needed to understand what is in your area. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And so we, we did a, an episode of a couple months ago with a Druid, John Michael Greer, and we talked about earth energies and he wrote a book about temples and mm -hmm. how the, the, you know, they basically help crops grow because of earth energies and the way they're, they're built and so on. So when you find a vortex on that, it's a potentially a powerful spot too, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So, and it's a question of how powerful it is, which gets us into a whole different area that we could talk about maybe some other time okay but yeah, they are powerful yeah and you have to find out if it's male or female or if it's androgynous if it's androgynous 
man, you want to take a step back from that because you're not ready for that. You need to call me. Are there a lot of those on? The no, there yeah. are not. No. Yeah. Nope. And how many, like how many, like are portals that common either? Cause I don't, I mean, I don't think I've ever. No, they're not. And that's why when you come upon one, first of all, you have to be able to identify it, which is why I want to get these videos out. I want people to identify it and then go through the process because in my portal chapter, it tells you exactly what to do and how to do it and the steps you have to take to keep you safe. Because right. I'm going to tell you something that is absolutely frightening. Mm -hmm. If you, every portal has a guardian and you absolutely want that guardian there to tell you, yes, you can go or no, you can't. And they may or may not tell you why. It depends upon how, how much of a communication you have between each other. Because when you first start out with this, you, you know, you get a yes or no, that's it. All right. But I can get the background on. I can ask a lot more questions. One of the questions you want to ask if they say, oh, yeah, you can go into this portal. Excuse me. Where does this portal end up? Yeah, that's my number. <laughs> where, are, where am I going? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually if a guardian gives you a yes, that means that there's something spiritually speaking in you as a soul who has the tools and the strength and the knowledge, even though it's not conscious, you have it, that you could do this and do it safely. The next step is, is to be able to come back from it. Okay. Right. Here's, here's the real problem. Somebody that thinks that, that they can go out there and walk the land and find the portal and just, just see themselves hopping into the portal, okay, they'll go someplace and they'll see it, they'll feel it, and they'll see what's at the other end. Their problem is, is that they didn't get the guardians okay, and secondly, I never go into a portal, even to this day, without the guardian assisting and being with me at all times. That is just an absolute must, okay? I, I was at Fort Worth, Texas in decades ago. They had an Egyptian traveling museum through this museum. And my people kept saying, you need to go to this room, this room, this room, you know, and they kept pushing. So I did. I went in there and all it is is doors. Okay. <laughs> doors with, that you couldn't open. They're all, you know, that's it. And I'm looking around going, what did you bring me here for? You know, I mean, what is this? Okay, nice looking doors. They call them false doors. Okay, um, that's what the Egyptian ar archaeologists call them. They should talk to us metaphysicians. We could tell them so much more <laughs> because I, I had a guardian pop up and by that time I was clairvoyant and I could see him and he was going like this at me, like, come closer, come closer. And so I did. And, and I said, what is this? This is a false store. Why, why do you people build false doors? Okay. <laughs> and it's like, it's not a false door. It is a door from the third dimension into the other dimensions. I said, okay, there's no doorknob. <laughs> how, how are you doing this? And he smiled at me and, and he said, would you like to see what's on the other side? And I said, as long as you go with me, I will. Mm. I want you there with me. He says, all right. He said, give me your hand. And I put up my hand and he held it. And we went through that false door together. I, and when we stepped through, we went into the fourth dimension. And it was a night sky. And these beautiful stars and constellations. And I, I could see like Saturn up there because you can kind of say in Venus somewhere else. And I'm looking around and I said, this is beautiful. I said, I said, what, what is this? You know? And he says, this is part of the ritual that we use when, when a Pharaoh or some, some person who has been mummified actually goes through several different false doors to meet one of the Egyptian gods or goddesses on the other side, who's going to take them through a, a certain ceremony that they have to pass. And then they will move them on. And, and I'm looking and this is, this is so beautiful. And it felt so good. And, and the energy of the guardian was also very, very heartfelt. Okay. He's a very gentle old man. And so, you know, 
those are the things you can get into. That that was a portal too. Just one of a different kind. Right. Okay. And I didn't know that until it happened to me wow. when I went to that museum and that traveling Egyptian show. Wow. That's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. So this has been a really interesting interview, Eileen. Thank you for being on the show. Would you like to sh share with our listeners where they can find you? It's walkingtheland.net. Right. They can go to walkingtheland.net and they can, there, there is a little contact button there and it has my email on it. And all they got to do is hit that and they can, you know, get a hold of me any way they want. Okay. And you have a Facebook. Oh yeah. But that that's, if, if they want that, they should go to my website and then I'll give them the URL because it's a okay. very long one. I'm, I'm not going to try and stumble through it. No problem. <laughs> but but the, the Walking the Land is a good start. And if people are really, really interested in Walking the Land, if they read my blogs, that's going to just give them the entire global schematic because yeah. I've traveled the world three different times. And I've been to a lot of temples and Neolithic forts and circles and all over this world, including Australia and New Zealand. The only wow. place I haven't gone was Antarctica or things like that. I've been yeah. on about every continent mm -hmm. and, and know what I'm looking at. That's why I wrote the book. Cool. But I want to leave that behind as my gift to humanity. Really awesome. Because yeah. nobody's written what I've written. Mm. They don't, they keep their secrets to themselves. I've given them. <laughs> well, thank you for spilling some secrets. Okay, you're welcome. Yes. This is fantastic. So I, I hope that somebody gets something of value out of this. That, Absolutely. That be heartfelt. I certainly have. So yeah, you. well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.